Hi, I'm Kate. And I'm Lori. We've always thought that the most compelling story strikes the perfect balance between an honest look at the mess of life and the humor that can be found in the mess. To be perfectly honest, we don't really know how to live life without both the humor and the authenticity. Our podcast might be a little bit of whiplash at times. We can spin from hard and deep to humor and laughing on a dime. The hard will be really hard and the truths we share are the ugliest of humanity. We don't intend to make it seem like it's all fine or to pretty up the pain, but we also know that the joy we found is all the more profound because of the pain. So we hope you can stick with us through the ugly because there will also be joy and hope and humor. Welcome to the ugly truth about the girl next door. Hi, welcome back to our podcast, The Ugly Truth About the Girl Next Door. I'm Kate. And I'm Lori. And we are back. Um, So for this episode, we want to kind of stay along the same lines of um, just giving an update on where we are. Um, For those of you who follow us on Instagram and and Facebook and our social media, um, you've seen us post some of the the most recent threats that have come um, because, yes, the threats are continuing to come. Um, they're disturbing. They're very disturbing. Very, very disturbing. Very triggering too. Like any normal person out there would read them and just be like, that's disturbing. But I read them and am horrifyingly triggered and transported back to so much of what they've said. We're having a lot of success in managing that in a way now that maybe was harder before. So for anybody listening, please know Mm -hmm. it's not like it used to be. Yeah. But, but it's, it's still, hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's hard to, to <laughs> whoops, wait and knock the microphone over. Sorry. Um, but yeah, so we also just want to talk about kind of where we're at right now, um, which is the messy middle. We, we are very much just in this place of being um, in the middle of the storm. Um, right. We've talked about that there's this investigation going on. Yep. Um, and, you know, if you listen to the hopeful and afraid episodes, then you know that we have really veered back and forth between really, again, hoping that this is going to end up being a positive and terrified that it could all go horribly wrong. Um, and that's still true. But mm-hmm. now that we are at the beginning, before the investigation started, it was all the prep, just like you would for a hurricane. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, so we did all the prep work before the investigation started. We gathered all the documents. We, you know, had all the corroborating things. We did all the things. Um, and now it's pretty much the, the middle of the storm where we fight like hell to stay safe and stay alive. Um, and just kind of wait on what the end result is going to be. But the waiting isn't neutral. Um, no, it's not just like sit back and wait. It's still actively fighting. We are still actively like reboarding up windows, still going out there and bailing water. Look at you, you know. talking like you've I know, been right? in a hurricane. I've never been in a hurricane. <laughs> nope, never, never. I know. I'm trying to like equate it to something that I do know, like a snowstorm, but it's not the same. <laughs> not really. No. no. Um, but I have been in a hurricane. And what you do when you've been in a hurricane is before it starts, the weather can be beautiful. It looks fine outside. And you're having to think about like, okay, it doesn't seem possible, but – this bad thing is coming. So I board up windows. I put away my lawn furniture and the gnome in the front yard that could fly through the front window. And I do all the things. And then I sit and wait for the storm to come. And then it comes and it's terrible Mm -hmm. and overwhelming and scary. And you're wondering, have I done enough to prepare? Is it all going to be okay? Do I have enough canned goods? Did I 
you know, have enough water to blah, 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 all the things. Well, yeah, and as things happen during the storm, you are constantly fixing, repairing, right? I mean, yeah. again, I don't know. I've never lived in a hurricane, but I'm just saying that I imagine that like, okay, so shingles start to fly off the roof and you have to evaluate, do you go and fix them or do you wait and Ugh. see what's going to happen? Is it going to make a it window worse breaks, or better? Right, mm-hmm. a window breaks and now you have to go and find wood and board it back up again, right? So it's it's not a, a passive waiting. It's an active fighting like hell to stay alive and stay safe. And to manage your anxiety yeah. in the middle of it. Oh my gosh, yeah, for sure. But it's more than that. It's more yes. than the mental health. It's more than the feeling re-traumatized. I mean, all of that, yes, investigations are re-traumatizing and investigations have a certain kind of way that they feel. Um, But for me and for so many survivors in my specific situation, which is we'll talk about is different than, you know, others, um, it's also actively staying safe, which again, back to the threats, right? Threats are actively coming. We, these... People that we're now naming to the investigators, naming on the podcast, doing all the things to bring it out, drag it into the light, like we keep saying, they are spinning out. And so shingles are flying off, windows are being broken figuratively, you know, but that's what it feels like is like we are actively trying to stay safe while we ride out this storm that is the investigation, that is this whole dragging it out into the light. So to continue that comparison, like if you've lived through one hurricane and then another hurricane is coming, of course, you're going to have a trauma response to the new hurricane coming. Yes. But that doesn't change the fact that there is an actual danger, right? It's not just that you're having an emotional response, but there's not really something scary. No, no. Both can be true at the same time. Yes. Yeah. And that is right. Like if last time your windows broke and someone started bleeding because of that, you might feel anxious that that might happen again. But then at the same time, during the next hurricane, something else could happen or that could happen again or is happening again. Right. So yes, both That's can be real. true. Yes. Um, so I think it's also important to kind of, like I said, go over like what the actual safety concern is and to kind of high level like why this is so complicated because I do feel like there's still this feeling of, you know, of just not really grasping what it is that that has happened, what it is that, you know, um, that we're dealing with. So, um, so let me just say, yeah, I'm going to stick with the storm metaphor. Okay, here we go. My husband and I, when we were newly married, we lived on Cape Cod and hurricane Bob came through. So Cape Cod, you can only get there by bridge. Um, and my husband worked over the bridge. So I've been through hurricanes before. So I was like, no, like this is a real thing. You have to get over the bridge before it's too late. They're going to close the bridge. They close the bridge when the wind is 70 miles an hour. He was not getting it because he had not lived through it. Yes. And I think that is sometimes the experience that we have is that people who have not lived through enough of this kind of stuff don't really get the threat. They don't get the risk. Right. So they act like it's benign when it's not. Yes. Or I think honestly, even worse, I feel like there's people who have lived something adjacent um, mm-hmm. and that's honestly almost worse because mm-hmm. they they think they know and they think they understand. A snowstorm is not a hurricane. Exactly. A hurricane right. is not a tornado. Exactly. And that is how this feels. Is that like, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but but you you have not lived my specific hurricane and or really anything in the same realm as it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um so I guess in so putting that now into the reality of what's going on, um 
you know, what the investigators are typically hired to do is to investigate something along the same lines as like a creepy youth pastor, right? Um, one of the the um, study or one of the reports that they had sent us when I had, I had asked in the very beginning, can I read some of the reports that you've written? I just, I wanted to know how it read. I wanted to know their verbiage, you know, stuff like that. Again, prep, preparation, mm-hmm. right? Um and one of the ones that they sent me, which was a big one that they did, it was a big case that they had worked on, was um, a, a member of their staff, of the church's staff, was inappropriately rubbing feet um, of some of the youth. Um, Creepy. With like a sexual intention. Yeah. So definitely not okay. Definitely, definitely not um Needed to be handled. Needed to be handled. Absolutely. Um, that person needed to be removed. And I'm thankful that the investigators were able to um, to come in and to take care of that. So definitely not okay, but also definitely not in the same – snowstorm is not a hurricane, right? right? So a hurricane is not um, a tornado. Right. right. So it's a it's a quite quite different scenario. So that is what they are – I think used to working with. And so now for them and anyone else to kind of step into this, it's, it's a lot, right? It's, you know, this is a lot of offenders. Um, Offenders are different, different than traffickers. There's the core group of people, you know, my family that, that, that did the trafficking with the ritual abuse and all of the things that went along with that. And then there's buyers who it's not that they don't matter, but it's, they're different than the traffickers, right? It's there's yeah. there's so many of them. There's so many offenders. Um and, and they just show up. They're not orchestrating the events. Right. They show up and right there there wouldn't be trafficking if there weren't actual buyers. It's clearly problematic. I'm not saying we're not saying that. No. We're just saying though that the level of awfulness of those people, it's next level. Yes. Absolutely. I I read a thing that said, um, you know, none of the people that visited Jeffrey Epstein's island are in jail. And, you know, the reason for that is because law enforcement went after the head of the snake. They wanted Jeffrey Epstein. Mm -hmm. They don't care that much about, I mean, they do, they should care. They absolutely should care. But um, it's just a different level, right? It's, yeah, Yeah. they they show up, they pay money, they get the goods, whatever. It's it's a different level of abuse. It's disgusting, but you're not going to take down an organization by arresting the buyers. No, absolutely. Um, you know, the other thing about my specific um, my specific abuse is that it's generational. And this has been decades upon decades of these strategies and secrets. Um, they've 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 done a very, very good job for a very, very long time of keeping this quiet, of keeping it going and, um, maintaining what they're doing. Um, but it's not the creepy youth pastor who maybe has a shred of guilt and maybe we're Mm going to be able to, um, you know, trip him up or maybe we're going to like, whatever. It's not that. Okay. It's not that. These people believe their own lies. They believe that they are entitled. Like we've not really talked about the ritual stuff. We really, here, yeah. Because it's we have very that. triggery. It's very triggery, and it's very hard to talk about because it's so. And it's just it's so much. It's so much. But sorry, continue. No, but I'm just. I was gonna like the ritual stuff is is a different. It's a different. I don't know perspective. It's a different motivation. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Yes. It's a different motivation and that 
and it's also a different, they have a, a whole other psychological distortion that makes them feel entitled and makes them believe their own lies. Yeah. I actually have been, um, I had the opportunity to, to join, um, an online support group for women who, um, were tra- trafficked by their families. It's a, f- a familial trafficking. It's, it looks, you know, we've said it repeatedly. It's very different than, than what we, um, than what you would normally see or what you might think of when you originally think of the word trafficking. But these women, I, honestly, talking to some of them, it's like talking to myself. I, it, I can't believe the similarities. Um, but, you know, the thing that, that I keep kind of coming to is that this type of offender is closer to something like a serial killer, um, that sociopathic, um, literally living and believing their own lies, um, no trouble passing a polygraph because no problem at all. Yeah. There's um, no stress. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Um, and I, I don't, I feel like that's being very, very missed here, <laughs> um, in, in what's happening and what, what's going on, um, with the investigation and also just with trying to stay safe and all of that. Um, so all of that being said, any type of lukewarm response really emboldens them. And again, we have talked about this ad nauseum, right? Go back and listen to our episodes about the chapel um, and just, I mean, liberty, like all of the things, right? All right. of the times where a lukewarm response, like we don't not believe you, <laughs> um, it emboldens the offenders. Um, again, that's not just theoretical. No. After no. the chapel, after the pastor stood on the platform and said how glad he was to be in fellowship with Kate's parents, bad things happened. Yep. That's not theoretical. It's real. Yep. And so it is really hard when we have said it before. I feel like for both of us, it was one thing before we kind of were talking about it. Mm-hmm. But now we have been talking about it. We have made it very clear so for there to be any kind of a lukewarm response still happening mm-hmm. is very frustrating and infuriating. And right. yeah, I think you're right that it's, you know, before we had the podcast and before we were really like hitting this like directly, it was like, okay, maybe if they knew we're here to educate. Yeah. We're going to, we're here to educate. We're here to talk about it. We're here to bring it out into the light, let people know what it's like. And now it's like, how many times can we do that, have the same people listening, and those same people then flounder, right? How do how many times? <laughs> um, there's also no neutral in this. And I feel like a lot of people want to just be like, you know, I mean, for the vast majority of society, whatever, if they want to be neutral, be neutral. But for the people that are in the middle of this with us, the people that are, that are watching the storm rage around us, um, to be like, I'm just going to like wait it out and see what happens. You- Good luck. You're going to get hit by a cow. We might cut that. No. <laughs> leave it. You have to leave it. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. <sighs> okay. Um, but if we're going to leave it, I feel the need to say this. Again, people, I don't – I, again, continue to hear people don't like it that we laugh. Stop it. Mm-hmm. Like, do you know how hard it is to do this, to oh talk gosh. about these hard Every things? Every day. We have to – find some ability to laugh so just stop yeah i mean my god if we didn't laugh we would be probably committed so seriously (sighs) anyways there's no so there's no (laughs) you have to leave that (laughs) there's no neutral you cannot just you know 
you, you you end up leaving the victim vulnerable and open for damage, open for them to be hit by a cow um, when you just decide to step back and wait um, and take a neutral stance. Like, I'm not going to take sides. Um, I, I just, uh, either you believe it or you don't is kind of what it comes down to. Yeah. And if you believe it, yes. you should be horrified and galvanized to stand in the storm and board up the windows and do everything and anything you have to or can to provide safety. Like yep. it should be yep. a no brainer. Um, yeah, no, a thousand percent. Um, so we are the cow and, um, <laughs> I don't think I'm like we that. are, no, you don't. I do. I don't want to be the cow. My, so my son, no, I used to like, the dumpster fire that just swirls oh, through. There it is. <laughs> there it is. That's um, us. We're the, we're the semi that's flying through the yes, air. Yes. That's a better analogy. I like that. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> we got so many analogies going on in this episode. <laughs> Way too many. We apologize for that, but, um, okay. I just have to say this because yes. I started to say it. Noel used to love cows, like love, love, love them. So when he was like two, we took him to Hoover's Dairy oh. and he was standing at the fence and the cows were probably like, I mean, across like a cornfield away from us. And he was yelling like, hi cows, hi. And he was throwing grass oh. to feed them. It was the cutest ever. He had a cow birthday party. He loved cows. <laughs> anyway. So cute. Someday he's going to listen to this and uh, hate me yes. so much <laughs> for saying uh-huh. that. Um. But yeah, we have no choice. We are left with no choice um, when when people take a neutral stance or they take a lukewarm response or they're just going to wait out the storm and see how it all shakes out. We are left with no choice but to use our public platform um, to bring it out into the light again, to put ourselves at risk again and walk outside and fix the shingles because that is the only – like we can't just leave the shingles off the house because more shingles will fly and more shingles will fly. And eventually the whole thing comes caving in. So. Right. And in the messy middle, like waiting, well, there is no real waiting because the storm is still raging. Right. And so for anybody who's like, why are they still talking about the chapel? Yeah. Because the storm is still raging. (laughs) So, and clearly, clearly based on what we're about to talk about, we have not talked about the chapel enough. Right. Because clearly the message has still not penetrated the church at large. Okay. So right. we clear do not say to us, why are you still talking about the chapel? We are still talking about the chapel because we are still talking about the greater church and the very problematic things that are going on. <sighs> okay. Breath. So um this is where we walk outside. Okay, this is where we walk outside and try to fix the shingles and let everybody know that shingles fell off of our roof while we're standing in the middle of the storm fighting like hell to stay alive. So so there is uh, an offender who um, we named to Cornerstone Leadership a while ago. Um, basically the way that unfolded was there was, you know, concern when the podcast started, the leadership of Cornerstone came to us and said, you know, tell us who's in our building, who is still working with children, who, you know, um, who do we need to be concerned about? And this is a name that we provided to them as someone who, um, is yeah, still actively attending and still has access to children and all the things had at the time had. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and the pastor of that church to Cornerstone um, 
just, you know, confronted, decide to confront this offender and basically say, you know, can't, can't be with children, can't do X, Y. I don't actually know how that went to be honest with you, but this is what we've heard. Right. We are concerned until we can sort this out. We need you to step back. Um, the offender went home and told his wife that he, who had been listening to the podcast and has believed all of it, had corroborating information, uh, had noticed bruises on me as a child, like knew me all through childhood, uh, was friends with my parents. Um, absolutely the whole podcast. She was one of our biggest supporters, made total sense to her. Um, and then the offender went home and said that he had been named, that the pastor of the uh, church had had confronted him and then flipped everything on its head, has been publicly campaigning for his innocence. So like, can we just again comment? We did not name this person. Nope. We had no intention of naming we this person. We named him to the church only out of safety precautions because the church asked us. Who do we need to be concerned about that is still actively front facing with children? And, but no, we have not named this person publicly. We haven't even described this person. We haven't given any information. We've never even talked about this person on the podcast. Um, but this wife, the wife of this offender, did. She outed them. She made it a very public thing. But now that it's out there, now that that person's name is out there, that puts him in a different category yes. in the moment. Because this person has named himself and everybody is watching, right? The other offenders, the casual observers, people sitting in the pews are observing. And if everybody knows that this person has been named... What the church does or doesn't do, the actions that they do or don't take, really impact my safety when the offenders are known, when the names are out there. And a couple weeks ago, we were made aware that this offender, so originally the church was going to confront the offender. They were going to say, we do not want these people near our children, yada, yada. So that was their coming out of the gate strong. They hired this investigator to come in and sort this out. And And by the way, we have said over and over and over again, you can always walk back asking an alleged offender to step back. Mm -hmm. I understand. We completely understand. Like it's complicated. If a person has stepped, been asked to step back it, like, I understand it can make it very messy for that person. Nobody's saying that there is like no impact of that, but you can walk it back way more easily than a victim can walk back being hurt. Right. Absolutely. Okay. So, so that was their out of the gate stance. We tell us who to be concerned about. Uh, we're going to confront them, whatever. So now and we have policies in place to provide for safety. So yes. maybe we don't ask them to leave our building, but maybe we make sure that they don't have, that they're being watched, that they don't ever get access to kids. Like we want to know and we want to do the right thing. Right. Same as when my mother tried to volunteer with children. If it wasn't for the podcast, those people would never have known that she was a, a risk and a, a danger to the people that they are under their care. So you're yes. welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. Public service announcement. Um, but so thanks to the podcast, we were made aware that um, this offender was getting out candy, getting out at, candy trunk at Trunk or Treat, um, you know, children everywhere, whatever. So I basically said, please tell me this isn't true. 
um, for so many reasons. Number one, there's children involved. Number two, I didn't know it was a trunk or treat. I, I remember the fall harvest fest, uh, at, at when it was Whitehaven and, um, it was not just a trunk or treat. I don't think it is. I think he was part of right. the trunk or treat, but I, it's not just a trunk or treat. It's actually a whole event, but, but you had heard that he had been volunteering at well, the fall fest. Yes. And we so immediately, later. yeah, it was like, holy cow, please tell me this isn't true. And, um, the pastor said, you know, uh, you know, he did show up, his wife, you know, signed up to volunteer, um, but it was not expected for him to come, which let's break that down. So his wife, who's been campaigning for his innocence, signs up to volunteer. And you don't think to yourself, hmm, this could be problematic. Maybe I should reach out to her and say, hey, just so you know, you are more than welcome. Your husband is not. Right. And in all fairness, let's not just put this on the pastor nope. because there's a whole elder board who are, that has yep. also been very involved and also knows of this concern. This is literally like the eye of the storm of, of that church right now. Um, and the wife signs up to volunteer at your children's fall fest and nobody thinks, hmm, we might want to watch that one. But okay, we might you not, don't. We might want to get fine. ahead of it. Right. That's fine. You don't. That's You have more things on your plate to worry about. Not a problem. But then husband and wife show up at Fall Fest to volunteer, to hand out candy to children, to be public facing for all of these people who know that he's a named offender watching and watching to see what you as the church are going to do about this. And your response is, I didn't know what to do. Lori, how many times have we heard, I didn't know what to do? How many times? Too many. My God, we would be millionaires if we had a dime for every time, you know, like, come on, people, come on. Pastor said, no, you know, just make sure you stay outside, stay outside and then trunk or treat and it's fine. Again, not putting it on just the shoulders of the pastor, but the entire elder board who is also aware that this is a named offender, I'm sure at least some of them were there that night and also watched this unfold. So. I can't even breathe right now because I'm so just like, I can't believe how many times we've had to say the same thing over and over and over and over again. We have had these conversations now with the pastor who has said, right, I need to get, I need to be better about that. And let me like address this. And so, you know, he has said, we've addressed this. We've asked this named offender to not attend family oriented events. So first off, we've asked him not to. That's Maybe that's just the language that was used, or maybe that's the tone. Yeah. But there sh- it, it should be a statement. Yeah. We can't have that. It can't be, so don't. Um, but okay, so that's been... Ha- but you can't now undo the impact. So not only, right, it makes you feel... Kate, can you want to talk about how it makes you feel oh, just in terms of... It makes me feel invalidated. and makes me feel like... Again, someone came out of the gate strong. Someone asked us for information, which we provided, and then they did nothing. They slithered back into the back door because it got hard. And because this offender is a good friend and because this offender is well known to the church and to the public, now it's hard. That's what it feels like to me. And it feels like those things take a front seat to my safety. And we have repeatedly shared on the podcast with this pastor, with the church, with the investigators, how critical safety is. We are posting the threats. We are dragging it out into the light. 
But yeah, sure, let's have them be at Fall Fest. Not a problem. So yeah, it makes me rage because it makes me feel it makes me feel left out standing in the wind trying to fix the shingles and another one freaking blows off because I had to come out in the wind to fix the shingles. That's how and it makes me feel. And then have people say, okay, but we, we don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. And so yes. good luck. Yes. And so when I then, then go at that, like, how can you do this? Do you see the problem? The response then was, well, we just want to make it fair for everyone. So yeah, let's make it fair for the offenders. Let's make it fair for the perpetrators. Let's make it fair for everyone. Cause it was right. Like so fair for you. Ugh! So yeah, that's, that's the current state. Of- so it feels like rather than being in partnership with mm-hmm. people who say, we hear you, we see you, we want, we care about safety. We care about your safety. We care about safety of children. I think people really mean that. Mm-hmm. I think they do, but then I think when it comes down to actually partnering with us to actually make that be something that really goes that way on a consistent basis. Right. It, it doesn't feel like a partnership. No, it's not. It's really, it's not. And I think, I mean, and honestly, we're, we're watching that unfold because now the investigators are doing their thing. We're, you know, weathering the storm. We're trying to figure out how to manage all of that and also manage the threats and the offenders spinning out and all of the things that we're trying to survive. And Cornerstone has now pretty much stonewalled us and said, because I confronted the pastor, because I went and basically said, absolutely not, this is unacceptable. And I think very eloquently, you know, described and explained why this was unacceptable and why it was problematic and why we had to have a better plan going forward. And maybe you want to talk to the investigators about that. And their response is basically, don't come talk to us anymore. You can go through the investigators as they're the ones now handling this. Um, Which I think probably this podcast is the very reason why that oh, was the statement. A thousand percent. Because nobody but, wants to be on the podcast. Yeah, but the statement is why they're now on the podcast. <laughs> like, because, okay, if you're not going to work with us and you're not going to to move through this storm in partnership and keeping others safe and keeping me safe, then this is this is our next avenue. This is the way that we public service announcement and also like we're not going to just sit back and let this continue to happen. Because your safety is yes. at risk. Yep. Like that. I, I know we've said it so many times, but I feel like we have to keep saying it. This is not about vigilante. No. This my is God, not, no. This is about when you do it wrong – it is a safety problem. Yes. How much more clear can we make that? I don't yeah. know. Because again, you're sending the message. It's the same thing as the chapel. People keep asking, why do you keep going after the chapel? Because this is a problem in churches. This is a very big, larger church problem and that we just keep kind of putting it under the rug, shoving it aside, taking a lukewarm. Well, we don't not believe you you know, wanting to be neutral, be Christ-like, be whatever you want to be. And like, I know, right? Can you believe I even said that? No, I can't. I know. It's horrifying. But anyways, it's that whole, like, we're just going to pray it away. And like, that is not acceptable. It's not acceptable. So let me just say there's a book that I read not long ago by the author Dale Ingraham called Tear Down the Wall of Silence, Dealing with Sexual Abuse in the Church. Dale Ingraham is his name. And the ministry is um, speaking speaking truth truth in love. Um, And that's really what his whole book talks about is how can the church do a better job of just not trying to be so 
I don't know, what is it, politically correct or thinking that you're scripturally solid by just making nice or not trying to offend people, but boldly standing out to say, no, like we're, we're not, okay, somebody, I don't remember who said this, but it, when David was at, in the sh taking care of the sheep and he had a staff and if a, a wolf tried to come, he wasn't just like, oh, cute little, let me pet you. He was like, no, I'm going to bash you with my stick. Mm -hmm. Get back. So, yeah. okay, maybe we're being very aggressive today. We are so aggressive today. It's because we just had this great phone call. So, yeah, maybe. Um, but yeah, like as the church, why? But also we... next level that into, yes, the church as a whole with sexual abuse and with abuse in general, like the niceties. But now you take that to the next level when there's an actual physical safety threat at hand. Okay. It's not just about, you're not handling it right because of my feelings and of my emotional state and what's right and wrong. You're not handling it right. And actual safety is being put at risk because you're not handling it right. This whole thing of like having hope that an organization is going to do something and help and then having it fall is really the whiplash of that is too much. It's too much. And then for for us to have to walk through like, okay, so we were encouraged and hopeful and grateful, really, truly for the pastor yep. who did come Absolutely. out strong and was on board and immediately was saying, how do I keep my people safe? I genuinely, he cares about these things. We absolutely believe that. Yep. We do believe that there are people in that church who are trying to right historic wrongs. I do believe that that is true. Um, and so it's so complicated for us to be like, okay, like, yay, but ah, yes. but yay, but ah. Well, right. And that's the whiplash. It's like we keep we keep walking through hopeful, 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 and then we hit into a brick wall. And it's so jarring because it's like, what? What do you mean that this happened? Like, yeah. Um, so I guess that brings us to our next point, though, of, you know, not maybe depending fully on organizations and churches and investigators to hold that middle ground of safety. Um, the middle ground being... Like people want to do bad things and we are resisting that. Mm -hmm. And so there's like between the bad thing and safety, there's something in the middle. Yeah. There's yeah. And we've tried to get other people to do that for us with us. Mm -hmm. And that still would be great. It would be amazing if someone, yeah. Amazing. But we're not holding our breath. No. And we can't just keep waiting. I, you know, nothing is ever quick. Um, so you know, with law enforcement, with these investigators, with anything, you know, nothing is quick. Um, and every single little thing, every shingle that flies off the roof during the storm in the middle, it matters. Um, I can't wait an entire year to feel safe. Um, to be safe. Right. To be safe. And I can't, you know, every time there's a lukewarm response or someone says, I don't not believe you or can't wait for the next lukewarm response and be put at risk all over again. Um, our new plan, I guess, mm -hmm. is, um, we've, we've been, uh, like I said, I had the opportunity to kind of join this support group and to talk to some women who have been through very similar experiences, um, which is absolutely validating and also absolutely wild to talk to them and read their stories and, and hear, <clears throat> it's just, it, ugh, there's too much to unpack there, but, um, you know, the way to stay safe, I guess, or the the best way to stay safe is to create uh, this safety packet, basically. Yep. Um, so what it is, is a 
a document, a, a folder um, that lays out in very great detail um, the abuse that has occurred, uh, the names of the traffickers, the names of as many of the buyers as I can possibly name. Um, it holds all of the documents, the evidence, the past police reports, the medical reports, uh, all the corroborating, the corroborating journal entries, letters to youth group leaders, all of the corroborating information that we've given to the investigators, um, we are putting in this packet. Uh, we have also made a video in which I tell my story in great detail in which I name who it is that is the offenders and the traffickers and in which I basically say why I fear for my safety and uh, what the cause for concern is and what I am scared that is going to happen and what has already happened. Um, it's, it's a, it's a very intense thing that we're doing that we've done. Um, well, it's hard because it's knowing that that will be used if something terrible happens. Yeah. But it's also knowing that that will be used if something terrible happens. So that's the idea, right? This is mm -hmm. our, our Hail Mary, our safety net of, you know, a bunch of different people are going to have this packet um, and this video so that if something terrible happens, if I am missing or something <laughs> that we're afraid of, uh, this is out there. And nobody will be able to dispute what happened. Nobody will be able to just be like, oh, well, she was struggling, you know. Or she ran away from home or yeah. she committed suicide or. Right. No. No. Um, so that is that is our, um, our next safety move. Um, our other next safety move is basically to put it out there publicly that we're done with this bullshit. We are done with um, the threats and the, all of the things. And so, um, from this point forward, if this continues to happen, if things continue to happen and I continue to be threatened and bothered, if Lori continue, you know, if that starts to happen or somebody else, um, we're just going to start releasing offenders names one at a time. Just every time something happens, an offender, a new offender's name gets posted, talked about, podcasted, videoed, all the things. Um, so I don't know. Do you think they're going to like eat each other alive? That'd be nice. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I wish that somebody would actually grow a conscience somewhere in here yeah. and decide to turn on the whole system. Yeah. Um, but I don't know that that's going to happen, but mm -hmm. TBD. So we understand that what we're doing right now, the making it public and the stirring it up is really kind of a, I'm going to say crap storm. We all know what I mean, but you know, our, That's our, our, I know that it is again, we, because we are again, throwing a grenade a little bit in the middle of it at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Um, we know that, we but know that. it's the only thing that has ever worked. It, yeah. People keep wanting us to kind of calm that down. Like, shh, don't just, shh, you know, um, but that's how these things keep going is when you just keep shushing it down. And so, um, another thing that I have learned in kind of connecting with some other people has been their strength in numbers. And so you be as loud as you can for as long as you can. And, um, 
So that's kind of the goal, right? Is we will just keep talking about it. We will just keep dragging it out into the light, just like we say every time we post a thread. Um, so it has to end somewhere, right? <laughs> it has to. It has to. And we aren't going to quit. So anybody listening who thinks that's going to happen, you're mistaken. Yeah. So, okay. All right. So that was fun. Yeah. We end on a really heavy note, but um, thank you for listening. Thank you so much for people who have been supporting and my God, it's been just. And can we say we today just received the donation oh from the farm dinner. Thank you. Thank you. Holy thank you cow. to everyone yeah. who attended and donated and to the family who yeah. hosted the farm dinner, even though they'd had a really hard week right before that. Um, yeah. Gosh, it just makes, it opens doors for us. Those donations have opened doors for safety and for advocacy that we just couldn't be more grateful for. Yeah. Thank you so much. I have no words. I keep saying that to people. I wish I had better words other than thank you, but I somehow don't. I'm at a loss for words for that. So just thank you. If you or someone you know is stuck in a trafficking situation and needs help, please reach out to the National Human Trafficking Hotline by calling 1-888-373-7888 or text HELP, H-E-L-P, to 233-733.